The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash Essex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Mick Lavelle is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from figs, moths, hydrangeas and plums, we'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden plus Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, which is Colchicum. It's from the family of Colchinacea. includes over 100 species they're a bulb-like corn. They're very irregular shape. Now, where did they come from? Well, warmer parts of Europe, down through the Mediterranean, East Africa, and even the Western Cape of South Africa. So they are. That's where they've come from. They only grow to about four inches high. Why are we so attracted to them? Because they flower at this time of year. They look a bit like a crocus, and they're purple with a white bottom to the stem usually purples, although there is a white one as well. Common names, naked ladies is the first common name. Why are they naked ladies? Because they have a flower and no leaf at this time of the year. They're also called meadow saffron and autumn crocus. Now, not to be confused by crocus, because they're nothing to do with the crocus family at all. Why? Because the crocus is a different family, only has three stamens, and also this one has six stamens, so don't confuse it with that at all. Where do I plant them? Why do I plant them? Gives you autumn colour. What more do you want? Bit of shelter, preferably. Warmish aspect, but honestly it will tolerate any soil at all. It really will. So, why would I plant it? extra colour in the garden at this time of the year. One of my favourites is called Dick Trotter. That's a gorgeous, rich, purpley colour. And there's also a double lilac, water lily-type flower, and it looks really wonderful. And that is called Lilac Wonder. Uh, just a warning, though, the leaves, the corn and the seeds are all poisonous. Their culture scene is what they contain, and they are poisonous. You'd have to eat a lot, but they are poisonous. But why would I use it? I've told you, colchicum, great flower at this time of the year. Plant them, a few in a group, and they will spread. And they will give you, suddenly, a burst of colour at this time of the year. So come on, get out there and buy your colchicum. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Mick and I will bring you some top tips on things you could be doing in the garden this week, but let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Anne from Leon C. The first thing, thank you very much for telling me to hang on to my mimosa tree. Good. After it all went brown and it's all come back and it's beautiful. So thank you for that. What and you got for us today, then? Today is I've got some very big hydrangeas in pots, about four foot high and about five foot wide. Massive, beautiful. Okay. When do I cut them back? Ooh. Right. Now, you, the you trick don't. is you don't <laughs> cut them at all at the moment. Are, are they yeah. mop head? Do they have the big big heads with yes. the blues or the pinks? or the, mm. Yes, yep. pink, great yep. big heads. Yeah. Don't, don't touch them at all. I just leave them to die down because those um, flower heads, they will actually protect the buds below them through the winter. And oh, then it's right. about March. And all you need to do is to, to just cut off the flower heads down to the first healthy pair of buds. So don't right. cut them down. And you can at that time thin them a little bit. So it's one of these things where... If you cut them back hard, they won't flower next year. They'll put on loads of really nice growth from the base. So you want to encourage new growth from the base. So you take out the, the very oldest stems and take out any crowding, but leave a really good amount of stems on there, or so you won't get the coverage of flower. But don't do right. anything with them at all just now. Okay. Just leave them and just cut leave them. heads till March. 
But That's March, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Anne. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much. Thanks. That's, That's what we're here for. <laughs> oh, 0800 4041. Phyllis in Wivenhoe. Hello, Phyllis. Hello. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Nick. Um, figs. I yes. have a fig tree in a big pot, which mm -hmm. is lovely, very, very healthy. Oh, it was. I've got about 30 figs on it. And suddenly last week and the week before, the leaves started to turn yellow and they've all dropped off. Oh. It's a little, mm, it's a little, uh, little early for autumn. Although Indeed. I do look after some gardens where I've got fig trees, and they have started to drop their leaves already. There's a lot of green leaf, but there's also a lot of yellow on the floor. Yeah, it does seem a bit early. Have you been away? Um, no, I haven't. No, I'm just checking on the watering. That's mm. what I was yes. thinking. Yeah, I've, I've checked on the watering, and um, I was a bit wary about it because I didn't know whether I would overwater right. them or not give them enough. Have you got little figs still on it? Yes, I've got um, about 30 mm. or 40. I think it's all right then, don't you? Yeah, because <coughs> plants so sometimes take funny them? cues from nature when you get because you've had a really hot summer which stresses them in a peculiar way. You don't have to go into all the chemistry of it. And then a wet August, which I've heard about but not been here, and cool as well. So in and a cold sense, nights as well, yeah, isn't so it? So the, the plant probably just sort of thinks, well, that's it, you know, that's autumn. That's, that's give up. And the fact it's going to be warm this weekend. And it's in a it, pot. It, it's in a pot. Yeah, it won't actually um, uh, make any difference to the plant. It's already started its autumn cycle. So. Right. That's what it sounds like. Right, I don't so when, when are the figs ready to... Uh, uh, no, what we, size figs are they that you've got on your tree? Well, I went down and measured them this morning. The largest one is about just underneath the size of a golf ball, and the others are probably about an inch. And are they soft? Uh, some of the some big of ones. Are, some of them are. Yeah. They're ready yeah. then. If yeah. They, they, well, they when they start to down, go a sort of um, a slightly purpley colour and yeah, they're soft, they're, that's um, when you that's when you can eat them because the figs are often green on the outside and you can still eat them. So if they're soft, so you just just press them lightly. And if they're just slightly spongy, they're ready. Yeah, they're ready. Eat. The little oh, hard ones, you leave them on there. They have to go through the next year's. Mm. The okay, little hard right. ones are next year's. Lovely. All right? Yes, thank you very much indeed. Okay, we uh, we pop on to uh, pop on to Ruth in Rayleigh. Hello, Ruth. Oh, hello, Ken and uh, Mick. I've got a question quite similar to Anne's. It's that um, whenever I try to prune my hydrangea, it just grows bigger and bigger. In fact, at the moment, um, the flowers, or oh, I'm not sure whether they're bracts, are actually the size of footballs. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering how I can reduce the size. <laughs> is, it, is it a mop head, <laughs> what we call a mop head hydrangea? Yes, is it, it is. Yeah, yes. OK. But most people wouldn't complain that they're, uh, they're getting no, bigger flowers on the thing. they wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not trying to sort of put as a criticism, but the, the point is if you prune a plant, often you invigorate it. Exactly, um, yes. And so, but, but I mean, depending on the hydrange you've got, there are several varieties of these uh, mop head ones, and, and they tend to get, uh, depending on the situation, in open ground, they'll easily reach six feet, in the, you know, given the opportunity, but between four and six feet. Um, now, they won't do that evenly. You'll get some taller growth. Generally speaking, you expect a hydrangea to be about four, four and a half feet from the ground, you know, so as, a, as an average sort of growth. Now, the point is that if you have them in a pot... The rate you're raising them up above that height, so you, you can expect them to be, you know, even in the restriction of a pot, three and a half, four feet tall. So it's just the age of the plant there, probably, and the fact that you're pruning them back, they will send up vigorous shoots from the base. Right. So, so really, it's a lost cause. They just um, naturally grow that high. Yeah, they, yeah. They and if you cut them, if you cut them back hard to the ground, they send up really strong growths for the next year. You know, a, pl so, a plant wakes up to the idea mm. you know i've been cut i'm going to grow vigorously yeah. i'm not mm. going to let this person you know and mm. it, i know i'm talking personally but it is the principle of a plant it mm. wants to grow yeah? right mm. i'm wondering if i could just very quickly ask you um i want to replace an ancient shrub with a choice here and i'm just wondering um what you could recommend you You've got a chop. What you? Well, you want to replace with a choice here? Yes, I'm going to get of rid of a shrub, and I, I right. fancy putting a choice here in its place. Um, Sundance. Sundance is the common one. That's, that's the one that's a yellow one, which is you have to have a bit of sun on it to make sure it keeps the yellow. Yeah, so is, nice... it a, is it in a sunny position? Um, it's in half sun. That would work. That'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Sundance. I mean, sun, choice here, Tanata Sundance. 
sundown. Sundown. Dance. Dance, as in Sundown. dancing. Mm. Yeah. Fine. So oh, that's my Thank accent. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Eve in Hollow. Eve, what plants are we talking about? Good morning to you both. Um, a Campanula and sedum. Yep. Um, they've got little plants, you know, coming from the main ones. Um, I'd actually pot, you know, put them up, pot them up. Um, when's the best time? What you mean? You got seedlings around the the plant or offshoots on That's them? That's right. Yes. Yeah, well, this month's not a bad now, time, yeah, time because it? It, although it is going to go warm over the weekend, you get in shorter days and um, cooler nights, which is really what the plant needs. And if you're transplanting, it doesn't want to be under too much stress. Um, if you're going to pot them up, pot them up into um, probably the best sort of thing would be a John Ennis one. If you if you're aiming to put them out again in the spring, and if you're going to keep them in a pot all winter. And um, but you can put them in a standard compost; it doesn't really matter. But uh, put them uh, into those uh, and just keep them well watered. And when you've transplanted them, keep them out of direct sun because it will stress them, particularly if you're doing it this weekend. So put them in a sort of a, a sheltered spot. All right. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much for your help. That's a no pleasure. That's Eve, and we now go to South End to talk to Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Oh, hello. There. Good morning. Good morning. Um, it's just a. You might think I'm a bit mad here, but I. Don't kill, but I've got a moth trap. And I've been recently getting these moths coming in, and I'm thinking to myself, I've not seen that before, I've never seen that before. So I looked it up, and it comes from India, and it's the box tree moth. Mm-hmm. Now, my box tree, it's not massive, had it a few years, but it's sort of dying away at one end. Now, these moths, I'm sure, they come, well, like I say, they come from India. It's pretty naughty, really, because it could have come in on a plant in a nursery and it could infestate or leave box plants couldn't it really it's box tree moth that's causing the caterpillar problem isn't it mm. on the box yeah, trees so, yeah. but there's lots about so it's, yeah. it's I don't think it's necessary you personally have ended yeah. up with it they're oh, everywhere yeah. Yeah. it's a major in problem across the country yeah I mean oh, most, um, right, most as as it's not alright but as long as people are aware of it you know that's good yeah, most of the pests and diseases which come in come in from uh, imported stock, and and often things like, say, for instance, whitefly, which we have in glass houses, comes from South America originally. You know, so I mean, uh, and they're coming on crops that we buy. Yeah, they're coming yeah, on yeah. food that we buy. Yeah, you know, are not, you know, not perishable food, but I mean, vegetables that are yeah. flown in. Sometimes we get bugs in them. Bananas that mm-hmm. are shipped. All sorts yeah. of stuff yeah, comes in, and that's yeah. where yeah. most that's, yeah. that's where most of our problems have yeah. come from. Haven't they, Mick? Yeah, but what has to be said is that professional horticulture spends a lot of time trying to prevent these things coming in. Unfortunately, people go abroad on holidays and they bring back plant material with them and that's where most of it comes in. It's actually, um, you know, horticulture bears the brunt of the blame for it, but it's uh, very often it's it's well-intentioned but um, uh, badly advised damages who bring plant material back with them. So basically, should I be killing these? Uh, You... Yes, because they'll be laying yes, they'll be yeah. eggs on, on box trees, and yeah. that will turn out to be the caterpillar, which yeah. then decimates box. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, thank you very much. Thank no you, problem. Kevin. Uh, that's Kevin with talking about box trees, and in just a well, I think we'll should, should we we'll squeeze in we'll squeeze in John from Colchester before we go to the travel. Hello, John. Good morning. Good morning. Um, reference lawns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I scarified my lawn, and then suddenly we got the uh, very heat wave what we've had, so it's decimated it. So would it be best to leave it to the end of the month to reseed? Uh, well, any time this good month at is... the moment, isn't yeah, it? This, this time of the year is probably the optimum time to reseed it. I mean, obviously, if we don't get much rain, you can always uh, put a bit of water over it as well to get the seed going. But we're getting cooler nights, so the grass starts to grow again. Once it drops below about 25 degrees centigrade, uh, sort of daily average, the grass will grow. So the bare patches, uh, or if it's all sort of needing a reseed, just go over and overseed it. Scratch yeah. that seed in very lightly with a rake. Don't get the scarifier over it again or anything like that. Just very lightly, just with a lawn rake, just to make sure it's it's in contact with the soil so surface. That's all you want, isn't it? And um, yeah, but you just buy any standard seed mix. So usually, just get a, a general purpose one. Sprinkle yeah. that across the top, and it will start to grow. And that uh, then you just don't try and cut it straight away. You need to. Um, yeah. Wait for about, it's been growing for a couple of weeks, and just roll it then. Go over with a roller just to sort of try and stimulate it to have some side growth. So you've got about a month and a half to get it established. It's plenty of time. 
All right. Uh, one other quick question. I use, I've got a yew hedge which I planted last year and it started to grow and I need to cut it back. Can I cut those uh, bits off the... And yeah, you can. This is again ideal time to prune conifers because they'll put any regrowth on that they need to. Kane Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening question in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. Mick, what do you got for us? Well, firstly, this time of the year, although we're still enjoying the, the late part of the, the summer, we should start to think ahead a little bit into uh, you know the festive season. Not know. Christmas, but, you're not talking well, about. Well, I'm talking about really about if you want those prepared hyacinths and you want them to be flowering on Christmas Day, maybe as your centrepiece, or just to show to people your gardening prowess as they walk in to visit you around the festive period. It's really important that to get flowers for Christmas Day, you must plant them by the third week of September. And, of course, they're in garden centres anyway. Well, this is it. They should be on sale now. So, I mean, you can go out and... My advice would be go out and buy them this weekend, even if you then hold off planting them for for just a, a week or so, you know, to try and make sure that they don't come into flower before Christmas. Do you use bulb fibre or do you not fuss about using bulb I'm not too fiber. I mean, there's all you can use bulb fibre. You can, um, it's very trendy to use glass beads and things like that. I've noticed <laughs> the last couple of years in these little pots. But it doesn't really matter. Because they don't the, need nutrient, do they? No, not, not at the stage when they come to flower, you know. So, so I mean, obviously afterwards they would take up nutrient. But they're, once, they're, once they've flowered, they're spent. There's no real point in... You can put them out into the garden, but you'll get a very measly flower the following year. It's a bit year. of a bluebell, isn't it? It is, yes, the following year, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got for us then? Well, of course, although thoughts uh, raced ahead to the festive season then, we shouldn't forget that there's still a lot to do in the garden now. So, of course, this time of the year, all that bedding which you've been nurturing through the summer, keep deadheading it now to uh, to get a good display, and especially things like the dahlias, Ooh, uh, yeah. which, are, which will go right the way through to November if they're carefully tended. Uh, and when you're cutting them, don't just nip the flower off at the top and uh, leave the old... Uh, 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 pedicel on there, cut them back down uh, to a bud or so, so they might throw up some stronger growth from the base still. So well worth doing that to maintain the display. Thank you, Mick. We'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. And we go straight to... Richard from Chelmsford. Hello, Richard. What are you asking about today? Good morning. I've got a plum tree that is mm-hmm. about four or five years old and healthy growth, plenty of growth, and in the spring, plenty of blossom. Yeah. But in all the time that I've had this plum tree, it has only produced one plum, and that was right. this year. Hmm. Okay. Um, do you know what variety it is? It's a Victoria. So it should mm-hmm. be self-fertile yeah. within reason. Yeah, yeah. I th- the only thing we can think of this year is that's that this the, year. But he's yeah. got one plum this year. And he hasn't yeah. had before. Right. Is it that the um, it was quite cold this spring, and the pollination uh, may poor. not have been good because the bees were very late. And, and plums, as principally, they're reliant on bees to, uh, to to pollinate them. That's the only thing that springs to mind, uh, which is stopping the because obviously the problem with not having plums, unless you get in plums and they're falling off, in which case there could be another cause. If they're just not setting, it's because the fruit uh, hasn't well, the flower hasn't been properly pollinated. But is it, this is over like, three or four years now. Is it yeah. in the ground yeah. or in a pot? It's in the ground. It's in a the big ground. Tree. Well, say big. It's about ten foot tall. Mm. And you're not you're not feeding it a lot. Uh, I haven't fed it at all with anything. No, but no that's all right. Mm. No, it's only that you described it as being vigorous and lots of growth, and I'm mm. worried that if you were feeding it a lot of, say, nitrogen-based food, it would produce growth mm. and it would mm. not produce um, fruit flour, fruit and flour, you see. Well, it's, it's certainly... Oh, no, I haven't fed it with okay. anything. Here's mm. something you can try. Here's something you can try. Um, you go to the outside canopy... I have done this, and it does work. You go to where the canopy is... Yeah. You get a, a pole... A metal pole, and you drive the pole down into the ground about a foot deep. Yeah. Okay, and you do you do this all the way round at intervals of say two foot, all the way round the canopy. And right. at this time of year, you could do either bloodfish and bone. Yeah. That would work all yeah. right, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Bloodfish and bone, or if you're deciding to do it in the spring, I would use Vitax Q4. Vitax what? Q4. Q4. 
It's just a, it's a brand it's name. It's a brand yeah. name. And you drop the fertiliser down into the hole and then replace some of the soil. All right. And what yeah. you're doing is getting the food to the feeder roots, which are on the outside of that canopy of tree. Yeah, that's it. On one side, it's quite close to a fence. So we'll do it know. all round the other side, and that will feed it. Okay. Uh, what right. about potash? Well, if you take a balanced fertiliser, you'll get potash rather than you. Yeah. I wouldn't just put pure potash down, would you? So you blood, blood, fish, and bone. Blood, fish, and bone has yeah. got that in it, hasn't it? So mm. yeah, right. It's, it's a perfect it's balance. A, a perfect bone, balance. Yeah. Blood, fish, and bone. All right. Okay, right, thank you very much. And let us know, Richard, how you get on and see whether we've got plums next year. It'd be bringing us in basket loads of them. Oh, what do you reckon? So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> John from Corringham. Hi, John. Good morning, Ken. How are you? We're fine. What you got for us today? Um, I would like to build a small cottage garden and I would like to know what plants to put in it, please. Well, basically, a cottage garden is made up mainly of herbaceous plants, yeah. isn't it, Mick? Yeah. So it's really, it's a mix of herbaceous yeah. plants. Um, traditionally, you'd use things like pinks, delphiniums, campanulas. Lupin. You know, lupin, maybe. Oh, but lupin is a bit tricky because of a lupin yes. these lupin days. Yes, but, but, but you get those sorts of um, plants, really. You want The cottage garden depends on having a lot of um, showy flowers, and so the trick is, when you're choosing them, it's not about this is the right one to use or that was the right one to use. You want to choose a mixture of flowers which um, have a range of flowering times. So it's got some that start in May and some that go right through into the autumn. Like so, asters at this yeah, time of year. Asters, you put dahlias still I was going to say, it. include some dahlias because they go on quite late, yeah. Because otherwise, if you just put things which most, the vast majority of herbaceous plants flower between around about late May and the beginning of August. And you can have a dearth of flower for the rest of the year if you're not careful. So the trick is extending it from around about April right the way through to uh, October. So what so, you need to do is possibly buy the plants from a garden centre at different times of the year. Mm. Because if not, they'll sell you everything that's in flower. Mm. At this moment in time, asters, which were yeah. Michaelmas Daisy. Buy those at this time of year and start it off. How does mm. that help you, John? Thank you very much, Ken. Because uh, I'm just about here because I'm at all six show and that, so I better <laughs> use someone's lorry so I can listen. Okay, well, you come along and see me because I'll be <laughs> at the all six show as soon as I've seen finish the program. Okay, John? Yeah, thank you, Ken. Pleasure. There's John from Corringham. <laughs> um, where, where do we go from here? We go to uh, we go to George in Basildon. Hello, George. Hello, Derek. What are we morning. doing? Yep, I'm having trouble with foxes and digging holes in the lawn, and I've tried to uh, repair them several times with a repair patch, no success. What do you suggest I do? <laughs> Uh, well, we've got to say entirely legal on this, of course. Yes, there's not. It's very difficult because yeah. um, foxes are very they're very active at this moment. I've mm. noticed they're bringing out their young. They're going to have their young in tow aren't they mm -hmm. because I know that I, I look after several g large gardens and the foxes are rampant well I can only tell by what they're leaving behind mm. but they're very active at the moment and they dig holes I, there's no easy answer is there Mick no I mean you, making a garden fox proof is not easy either because they'll, uh, they'll dig under fences if you want to get in uh, they're quite capable of jumping uh, to a certain extent so I haven't got yeah. any easy answers because you'll replace that soil in the hole, you'll put a little bit of turf in or you'll seed it, and the little devils will come along and dig it out again. Yeah. What are they doing? They're looking for insects and things, aren't they? Usually, yeah, they, do, they do. They bury eggs. They oh, they, bury, they do. They oh, bury eggs, eggs and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 George, we, George mm. we have no simple answer. If anybody has got a secret mm. answer, let us know, but it must be legal. Yeah. yeah All right, George, see what people say, <laughs> eh? Shall okay, we? thank you very much, Ken. That's a pleasure, but it is it's sometimes a waste of time. It's mm. terrible, isn't it? But, but you have to give up in some ways because you're not going to stop them unless you can well, prevent fo them coming Well, foxes and badgers are certainly a mixed blessing. People love to see them, but they don't like to have to deal with what they do. Okay, John from Elmstead Market. Hello, John. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, splitting up agapanthus and daylilies, when's right. the best time to do it? Well, now is not a bad time. But um, if the agapanthus is still in flower, just hold off for a week or two 
um, um, until the f- flowers have gone over, but they should have almost gone over by now. Are these in pots or in the ground? Uh, one's in the ground, one's in the uh, in a pot. Because the agapanthus likes being congested. It yeah. likes... That, so if it's in a pot and flowers well, uh, uh, and it, it hasn't totally filled the pot, leave well alone. Yeah, yeah well, it's totally filled the pot now. Well, I mean, the, the, the old uh, adage with agapanthus, we always have to crack the pot, which obviously goes from the time when they were clay mm. pots or they crack. But, I mean... Um, yeah, it's quite true. You don't don't uh, put them in. If you divide them and then put them into a great big pot afterwards, um, they won't flower that well for a couple of years. I, I planted one last year in a pot, and it's thrown up a flower this year, just one. But and I'm looking at this thing, thinking it's going to be about, did five, I about five years before it'll fill this pot. What was I thinking of? You know? <laughs> so be careful that you don't, don't go too large. So what we're saying is, when you split it, don't put half of it back in the pot that you've got. You'd be better to go to two smaller pots. Yeah. Yeah, and with the daylilies, that's all right to split them. Yeah, yeah, they're all right now. I mean, just when you lift those, they've got quite a sort of um, a fine root mm. with like with lumpy roots inside there. And what you need to do is just try and get clumps of them with some soil around and replant them. They, they, they tend to... What daylilies love is, is a... Oh, isn't that, I'm thinking Peruvian lily, sorry. Daylilies, no, day day yeah, just, re, just do them say. there. Sorry. Yeah, you were talking about heat, I was talking about a completely different uh, plant. So daylilies, um, you can um, we can divide those now, or we can wait till the spring, it's up to you. But do doing them na- time of year. Doing them now is better in some ways because you'll get better flower next year. And the ground is just right at the moment. It's got a bit of fair bit of moisture. It's not too wet, and it's got a lovely lot of warmth, so it'll take yeah. off really well. Okay? Just one quickie. Uh, gladioli, do you lift the... Corms, or do you leave them in the ground? Debatable. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm still of the mind. I'd say yes, uh, because they're, they're really not frost hardy at all. They'll sometimes go through a winter if it's mild. So if we were talking, if this was uh, radio Cornwall or something, that we'd be saying, yeah, leave them in the ground, you know. But as we sometimes get these icy cold blasts from the continent, my my advice would be to uh, to dry to lift them and dry them off around about this time of year. Okay, now we go over to Upminster to talk to Pam about delphiniums. Is that right? Yes, good morning, gents. Hi. Good morning. Uh, I've got delphiniums and they're in full flower. When can I take any cuttings from them? Delphiniums? You sh- yeah. If you really missed the boat on it, delphiniums, you take um, basal cuttings in the spring. What you oh. could do now, though, is, not, is to... To lift and divide a delphinium, if, if or take take some off it, put it into a pot, and um, keep that in a cold greenhouse. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so let it go through the winter if you like. So let's say a cold and unheated greenhouse, but the greenhouse yeah. will still be warmer than outside, and plant it quite deeply in the pot. So it, you know, so it's deeper than you might normally in the ground. And then in the spring, as it starts to grow, you can knock it out of the pot, knock the compost around it, and you'll have some fairly whitish basal growths. And basal growths of delphiniums are the easiest cuttings to take. To oh, take right. them down. There's the next spring. Should I dig it out now? It's in full flower. Uh, wait till it finishes flowering. There's no point in spoiling the look of your garden. You can do that. Lifting them and putting them into the pot can be done any time between now and October, really, before the ground gets too wet and the plant's fully dormant. And but you're not because you're not really trying to establish it in a pot. You're just trying to to keep it um, so that it will in the spring when it starts to grow. You want to get it's literally a sacrificial plant. You're taking these basal cuttings and you'll get lots more delphiniums as a consequence. And you just Thank need to use a little bit of rooting much. hormone just to get them to uh, to go to strike really easily. Okay, Pam. Yes, thank you very much, Ken. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> Mick, that was a good one. Um, nicely explained as well. And it, it, rooting, you have to be careful with rooting uh, compound, uh, rooting powder, don't you? Because people have put too much on them. Yeah, it? I mean, do you know... And in fact, I, it works against the cutting, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. I prefer the liquid because uh, the liquid, you it can dip it off, in and then it? you can just give it a shake Tap, and, and you only need a it? tiny little coating yeah. of it. People think, oh, if I put more on, it'll work better. It's it like doesn't... the weed killer thing. You know, oh, I'll put more weed on, it'll work. And it, make, it actually makes it worse, doesn't Indeed, it? Yeah, it? does not yeah. work. Mm. We won't get onto weed killers. So, yes, because uh, that number to call, 0800 111 4041. That's 0800 111 Text and they're on 81333. Start the message with Essex as well. And there's Mrs. Lee, Mrs. Lee, eh? And Maggie, we've got there as well, and Anne. So we'll deal with those in just a moment. But in the meantime, we'll go to Christine in Burnham on Crouch. Hello, Christine. Hi, good, 
No, good morning to you both. Morning. Yeah, it's a simple question. Um, I've got, I picked some dried seeds off my neighbour's canna lily. And mm-hmm. I've also got some seeds off a of Physalis as well, you know, the Chinese lanterns. Yeah. Should I sow them now or um, pick them for next year? Right. Now, if I start with the Physalis... Um, That's if, the Chinese yeah, lantern. <laughs> you can probably just... All you want to do is clean the seed off, put it in mm-hmm. a fridge... And sow it um, a, a little, wait a little bit, um, and then put it in, put, sow it in, in compost, put it back into a fridge or, or outside in a bit of cool, so it gets a bit of frost on it, and they'll germinate nice in the spring. They like a bit of cold to, to break the germination, so they're nice and easy. Right. The canner is also nice and easy if you do the following. Right? So you get the seeds, keep them um, stored dry and cool. We don't necessarily have to go into a fridge, but dry and cool. So we're going to share some nice. We're not going to get frosted. Mm-hmm. And then I ran about. February's usually early enough, uh, as long as you can get uh, got a warm windowsill to put them on. Get yourself a pair of needle nose pliers and a file, okay? Yeah. I'm not joking about this. And you hold the seed in the needle nose pliers and you rub it over the file until you just about see some white appearing. So just rub one spot and you'll see a little white patch just start to appear. Sow right. them then and you will get germination within a week. Because basically oh, really? you've cracked, mm, you've yeah. cracked the outer yeah. shell. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. do that, now this is a guy from I, I contacted a guy from Hearts Canners, and he told me this. And we do this at the call. We raise hundreds of them this year <laughs> for absolutely no cost in terms of the seed. But you can then, if you, once you've got used to doing this, you can buy seed in quite cheaply. You can usually buy ten seeds for about three or four pounds of various varieties of canna or species of canna, and it's the same drill. You've just got to hold them tightly in the pliers, not so tightly that you crack the seed. Or no, I know. What you, yeah. And then yeah. just rub it on the file, and, and yeah. a, a file rather than emery paper or something like that, because it's yeah. very tough. We call it India shot the seed, and it, it, once you just about see the white appearing, stop. Off so you go. On. And the, we got 100% germination on 125 seeds we collected off one can of this year. So, and is um, that ordinary multi-purpose compost you put them in? I've uh, just been to seed and cutting compost to start them off and then pot them on into a normal uh, uh, potting compost. You must have plenty of warmth. We need about 20 to 25 degrees to germinate. Right. So, and, not, so um, if you've got a propagator or something like that. How many years do they take before they flower? Is it years? I'm uh, they flower in the summer. They'll flower in the summer. You'll get one flower and then you, first year. Then, then you can, oh, well, first year. Oh, really? No, you'll, you'll actually get several spikes if you grow them nice and warm and yeah. then you can lift them and uh, just do the normal sort of drill that you would do in the autumn to sort of put them into compost, keep them in a, a warm but uh, dry state and uh, start them again in the spring. All right, Christine? Oh, oh lovely. Thank you. Thanks very much. And no can you, you. Bring, us, bring us back in the spring, Christine, and let us know oh, how you're getting on? I will do, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love because it's good to hear, isn't it, how people, we, you know, we all give advice on gardening, mm. but you never know the answers. Ron from Brentwood, what do you want to know? So propagating what? I've got uh, all the different types of tuber begonias. Mm-hmm. I want to know how to propagate them because they've come up so lovely this year. I know they come from one of the budget shops, but... That doesn't matter where they yeah. come from, as long as you enjoy them. I mean, in terms of propagating, the first thing, obviously, is this time of the year is not a great time to try and propagate no. them because they're, they're ending their cycle and they will go down back down to the tuber. So dry, dry, yeah. when you lift them, dry the tubers off. Because the nutrient yeah. is going back yeah. into the tuber at this moment. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, so, mean, so, I mean, around about early October, they normally get into Aussie, and you can lift them, dry them off, put them into some just moist compost or... Um, you can maybe use moist, uh, slightly moist sand just to keep them um, through the winter. And when you start them off in the spring, depending on the size of the tuber, you can divide the tuber. It's got to be nice and soft and just come into growth. And you look for where there's a bud coming and you can cut sections with a bud on. The old right, trick was to okay. dust them with sulphur uh, or any fungicide will do to make sure that the wound heals. And each one of those will make a new tuber. Okay. Uh, you, so you grow, grow them on in the spring. You can also try cuttings that time of the year. Sometimes they'll come. And depending on the type of uh, begonia, some tuberous begonias, worthwhile looking if you've got some, they look like little buds, very loose in the, uh, the axils of the leaves. And they just knock, they knock them out. And if you get those, store those in just in a domestic um, fridge or a cool spot. You, know, uh, just, you don't have to put them in sand or anything like that. Just keep, keep, make sure they don't dry out. And you can actually sow those almost like seed on the surface of compost in the spring. You need a, um, 
uh, a little bit of uh, coaxing back into life. They're called bulbils. <coughs> some tuberous begonias produce, produce them, not those, all, but they? certainly things like uh, begonia sutherlandi and uh, the, the hardy Evansiana, uh, they, they produce them in abundance. So it's worthwhile, I mean, have a look online or in some gardening books you know, to sort of get in your mind what you're looking for. But it's, uh, they are quite easy to propagate in the spring, but this time of the year you're preparing them for overwintering. And if you want any more advice in the spring, just come back to us, Ron. Don't be afraid to give us a call if you're a bit confused by the spring about which and what to do with your begonia. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Mick have got some more top tips for you. Now, mine is... Hopefully you enjoyed some peaches and maybe nectarines this year because it's not been a bad year for those. I've seen plenty on them. Certainly on, for ripening. Yeah, yeah for ripening up. Mm. And apricots as well you can treat in a similar way. And basically what you need to do is with the stems that have had the fruit on them, just cut them back to a couple of buds from the base. And that way your new growth that has grown this year, hopefully short stems, will produce your fruit for next year. So it's to re- and train in that new growth because mm. a lot of people grow um, all those trees that I've just mentioned apricot, na- nectarine, and peaches against walls, mm. and they work very well fan trained, don't they? So, but it's important to make sure you do all that planning for next year. Now. So yeah. keep tying them in, get them tidy, and prune those back those old fruiting stems. And what have you got for us in Mick? Well, on the subject of trimming, I mean, uh, evergreen hedges, oh, love yeah. them or hate them, especially conifer hedges, this time of the year it's important to uh, to cut them back and give them that last autumnal cut. They will make a little bit of growth on top of it. It'll be lovely fresh growth, particularly on some of the cypresses and new hedges and things like that. So it's important to go over and give them a nice tight clip now. Uh, it's Certainly when I was an apprentice, that was one of the things we spent a long time doing on the estate that I worked on was autumn cutting of conifer hedges. And it, it will really get them in tip-top condition and ready for the winter if you do that now. And I suppose it's what well, you mentioned, this this growth that you'll get back, the new growth, but that hardens then. So if you get a hard winter, yeah, it's nice and tough, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. The, the problem if you do it later, if you leave it till October, uh, it will still make this regrowth because it will the conditions up good for it to grow, but it won't have had time to toughen up and got those cold tolerant proteins so it could ready get, for. Could get burnt. Tend to get it? a bit burnt off, and then you've got an awful looking uh, hedge all winter. So do it now. We keep listening to the podcast. There's still more hints and tips to come. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. And let's now go to Richard in Southend. Hi, Richard. Hi there. Um, outside our house, we have a footpath, public footpath, and then a grass verge, and then the road. And on the grass verge, we have a crabapple tree. Yep. And that has been shedding its apples for some time now. Now, normally I sweep them all up and clear them away. But I'm just wondering whether this year, because of the heat, I ought to leave them to rot into the ground for the nutrient value. Um, it's, it's on a grass verge, is it? That's right, yes, outside the... Uh, you, you, in fairness, you probably cause more sort of um, damage to the, the grass in terms of the rotting. Uh, that, that will spread to the, the grass plants. You'll, you'll have lots and lots of little tiny... Um, uh, bear patches compost the, heaps yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I, I mean I, you're not going to gain much are you not really no I wouldn't have thought so um, but the, the leaves are a better source of um, of, of nutrient if you like for the thing I mean, and it, the apples themselves yeah, so it's, yeah. it's best just to tidy them all up yeah yeah or make yeah, a jelly out of them sorry <laughs> or make a jelly out of them well, we've tried that. Several people have tried, but they're just not the right sort of apples. For oh, some right. Reason. Well, in that case, just sweep them up. Yeah, but sweep the, the, them up. The, the, sweep them up. There's, there's okay, no real nutritive value. To, I think you're better off keeping the grass in good condition. And we go back to the phones on 0800 111 We go to Pauline in Westcliff. Hi, Pauline. Hi. Um, I'd like to. I bought a monkey tree this week. Yeah. Um, is monkey puzzle, do you mean? The monkey puzzle tree, yeah. The one yeah, with yeah. the spiky. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, it's yeah. deadly. Um, is there any special thing I should be doing to it? I know yep. that it grows very slowly, but... They're slow, but they're large. Yeah. So I'm not going to question your age, but if you put I'm one in... I'm not going to see it grow. If Let you me put... just tell you. Oh, OK, because if you put one in you when you were 10 years old and stayed in the same house, it would be up to the roof by the time you retired. Am I yeah. right? It's about <laughs> that. They are quite slow, yeah. Um, but they, 
they do get to be quite large. So, I mean, it's a big forest tree in one sense. So don't plant it too close to a house. No, no. Um, so, so bottom of the garden sort of thing, you know. And, and, Something um, you look out onto, yeah. isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. The ground preparation is pretty much the same as for any shrub or conifer. You better, uh, plant, plant them out, incorporate compost after you've planted it t- to the surface around the base. Keep it weed-free for at least five years around the base. No okay. grass or anything like that or other plants that will compete with it. And it's it got stones establish. around it. It's in the garden. You know, I've got stones in the front garden, yeah. and it's it's got. I've put the stones back. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. If you, if, as long as it's growing into soil, that's fine. Oh yeah, yeah it's going into yeah. soil. Okay, yeah. and just keep it weed free around the base, and then you just. You, if you got it in stones, maybe a liquid feed uh, in the like early part tomato, of the tomato. Not now. Don't don't worry no. about feeding it now. Um, oh, but in the spring, give it a, a liquid feed, a, a, just an all-purpose liquid feed onto okay. it uh, in the early part of the year to encourage growth on it, you know. But, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, 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 as Ken said, it's very slow growing. Uh-huh. Uh, but so okay. <laughs> Patience and Indeed. enjoy. Um, we'll have more travel news for you at uh, quarter to 12, but just a reminder that um, the A12 between junctions 16 and 17, Colchester bound, the traffic is queuing from Hal Green back to the Army and Navy flyover in Chelmsford. So that's an area possibly to try and avoid. Uh, let's just do a few texts. Oh, no, Cynthia, do you remember we looked at some rose leaves? Um, I bought... Right. Can you tell me what's happened to this rose? I'm afraid I do not know its name. I bought it as a British Leaf and Remembrance rose. It's been growing very well almost overnight. The leaves went like this, crispy and fell off. Um, there's no black spot. It's in a large tub with John Innes. It must have dried out, mustn't it? Do you remember it the rose like, leaves yeah, were awful, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Uh, there's been a challenging year for roses if they're in the ground. And if they're in a pot, all the more so, because it's very, very hot early in the year. when the, when the r- Roses really like to be um, sort of moderately warm in the, in And the pots summer. aren't the best unless yeah. they're a patio grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, a lot of them are cool-grown roses. So scrape the bark. If it's green underneath, you can still persevere with it yeah. if it's brown it's gone i'm yeah. afraid yeah. and just nipping through to another email that came in last week and that's from dennis uh shrub looks like euonymus didn't it mm. and it's infested by aphid isn't it it, was what it, it looks, looks like terrible yeah. doesn't it, it the picture itself i mean it's, it's no substitute for actually seeing it but it looks like it's been infested with probably aphids and um it's the leaves have got covered in all the honeydew and that often leads to secondary uh, fungal growth. So characteristic, it's thing called um, sooty mould, which grows on them, which makes the whole thing look awful. I mean, the only thing you can really do is try and wash it off with just just slightly lukewarm water. And actually, like you could that. use a contact spray on it if it's got aphid, couldn't you? Yeah, just, I mean, you just, can do, obviously treating the aphids is the first thing to get rid yeah. of those, but then sooty. the honeydew doesn't really go away. You can't you know? get rid of it very yeah. easily, can you? It's very, very sticky. If, if anyone who's ever parked under an Acer knows how, just how hard it goes exactly. on the windscreen. <laughs> uh, let's do some texts while we take some more calls on 0800 111 That's 0800 111 That's the number to call and we've got a couple of lines free at the moment. Uh, when is the best time to move my rhubarb plants? They are in large pots but wants to grow them in the ground. When do I put them in the soil and also to help them, what do I put in the soil to help them grow? And that's Mrs Lee has said that. Um, mm. I would let the rhubarb die back, wouldn't you? Into yeah, the... I'd, I'd be inclined to uh, plant them in the, the later part of the winter. So no, well, yeah, even so... sp- even late yeah. towards the spring, would you? So, yeah, I mean, really, it depends on the ground conditions. But, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't put them out now if they've been in the pot and let them languish all through the winter. I would be inclined to, um, to, to dig the soil, dig, dig it deeply, get some organic matter into the bottom yeah, underneath it. lots of organic matter. Plant them around about, let's say, mid-February would be a good time to plant them before they due to come into growth. Yep. And top dress them with a good, well-rotted organic material all over the bed, but not touching the crown. Okay, They will then come into growth, and because we're establishing in the ground, don't pull any uh, stalks. Even though they're a biggish plant, don't pull any stalks in the first year. Let it get well-rooted into the ground. And then start to harvest from the second year onward. Um, be limiting it, you know, how, how much you take. Just take a few stalks in the first year. By the third year, you should really be able to take. But quite mulching a bit. is so important. Oh, An organic it, mulch, yeah. loads yeah. of it round it. As yeah. Mick said, just a reminder: don't put it on the crown. Yeah. Round it. Hmm. That's really important. Yeah, don't worry about the crowns. The it's from Siberia, so the crowns can really take the cold. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
We'll be back to your calls, texts, emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Mick has for us this week. Right, well, I mean, obviously the autumn is a time of planning, but it always is in horticulture, always planning for the next season. And uh, so this time of the year, we need to be thinking about lawns. Lawns uh, have had a bit of a tough time this year. They've, uh, they've not they really... They have indeed. Yeah, it, was, it was too dry, and it's been too wet in August. Uh, the, the trick now with them is they start to come back into growth. We've had some moisture, and we started to grow again. Um, start to give them a feed, but don't feed them with the same feed you gave them maybe in the Autumn spring. Autumn feed. Autumn feed, and that's got high potassium in there. So it's got a high level of K, which is what the symbol for potassium is. Uh, just buy an autumn feed and um, f- give them a feed and at the same time raise the height of the cut a little bit now. Uh, that will actually slow the growth down a bit. So what the plant will do is produce a hardier uh, uh, sort of type of growth ready for the winter, which will be much better. Don't keep cutting them tight now, you know, unless you're unless it's a bowling green, there's absolutely no need to do that. So feed them and raise the height of the cut to get them ready for the winter. What else you got for us? Well, obviously, think about the uh, the autumn falling leaves now if you've got a pond good idea to stick a net over it now it'll stop all those leaves falling in it'll actually save you a lot of time in maintenance in the long run thank you mick now let's get straight back to your gardening questions kane krauser this is bbc essex can we go to susan from acton hello susan Good morning, hi. Um, I've got a frittaria which flowered beautifully for the last three or four years, but this year I had nothing but leaves. So I've dug out the bulbs and separated them. There are lots of little babies. Yep. Should I just plant it in ordinary compost and cover it, or should I be able to see the bulbs? Hang on, is this the, the young ones you're trying to bring on? Both, really. Yeah. Both, OK. Now, what, now just... Which type of uh, fritillaria, which type is it? Is it the big orange the one, the crown imperial? One. Oh, what, sorry? The big, tall, smelly one. <laughs> yeah, the, the, oh. sorry, crown imperial. Crown yeah. imperial type, yeah. yep. Um, the offsets, they'll take um, a, at least two or three years before we get to a, a flowering size. Um, if you put them into pots, that's fine. If, you, if you're putting them into pots, just any standard um, compost will do uh, the first year and um, plant them so they're below the surface. I mean, they, normally, um, they, the trick with the bulb is the width of the bulb. You put them in um, for a full-grown bulb around about twice that width into the ground, depending on. Now, with fritillaria, is a quite wide bulb, so we normally put them about one or one and a half times the width. That's not the same for the, um, the, the smaller ones. What the you want to do is, bits, is yeah. the, the bulbets, because they're still growing. Plant them about halfway down. If, you, if you're putting them in uh, a small pot, a uh, nine-centimetre uh-huh. pot, something like that, just put them about halfway down into the compost so they're well covered. Because uh, when, when, when you grow them on, when you come to plant them, to get them to flower, you need to get them in the right depth. But they will grow anyway. In the, they the will compost. grow, right. So just bring them on uh, just to sort and of And you need a bit them. of patience to get them to flowering yeah. from the bulb. It, but the only really need to stay in those pots for a year. And then you can plant them next year around about the, the standard depth and they'll, they'll carry on coming up and they'll, they'll flower when they're ready. Okay. Is that why I lost them this year then? There were too many in the same pot. Mm. Oh, have you had them all in the pot all the time, have you? All the time, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Maybe, but it's Mon- been a challenging year for things in pots this year. We were saying before about roses. Uh, it's been, it was very it was cold and it was hot and yeah, dry yeah, and it's really cold tall, again. Lovely, beautiful green leaves. Hundreds yeah. of them, but just no flowers. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to say exactly, but I would say it's, a, it's probably just the season we've had this year. And a good tomato food in the spring. Yes. Hope they helped you, Susan, from Acton. Good to hear from you across that part of London. Um, 0800 111 That's 0800 111 we, we can squeeze you in. Uh, Bob from Great Baddo has given us a call, haven't you, Bob? Yeah, um, I've been laid up, so I've been out to look at me garden. I've got into it for the first time for about six months, and I've got a weed infestation, buttercups, dandelions, you name it, I've got it. I need, what, what can I do, and when can I do it? Well, well, you could dig them out. <laughs> um, if you're going to apply a herbicide, now is not a bad time to do it because the, um, it's got a bit cooler and the plants have started to grow again. Most of the herbicides for perennials uh, will depend upon uh, the, the systemic and their actions. So the plant has to be growing. So the systemic yeah. means it's taken in yeah. through the leaf and goes down to the root. Right, OK. All right. So for a, a systemic weed yeah. killer. Systemic, systemic or translocated, the both, the, 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 both terms apply. But if you ask for a systemic weed killer at the garden centre, they'll recommend one for you. And you spray Thank them. You much, and, yeah. okay. OK. 
And, you much, and let us know how you get on. If you have trouble, well, you know where to call. It's 0800 111 every Saturday from 11 till 12. Megan from Shenfield. Megan. Oh, hi there. Um, I've got a beautiful red standard rose. Mm-hmm. It has three flushes a year, mm-hmm. but it's got black spot. What mm-hmm. can I do? Uh, you can't do anything about the black spot that's already on it. You can use them. Um, still the, be worth spraying, the, the, isn't it? Yeah, it's there's still various dry, treatments. What, what, the trick with black spot is trying to prevent it from um, infecting new growth on the thing. Uh, but where it's already affected it, that's done. But e- So you can't get rid of the black spots, even if you kill the, the fungus off. But you, it's a case of persistence with spraying, really, with it. If you want to, to control the black spot. Yeah, use a spray for black spot, remove all the debris to see mm. that that's clean, and that's all you can do. And hopefully by next yeah. year, give an early spray next year as well. Yeah, don't, don't compost the leaves, just get, get, get rid, rid of them. them. Yeah. All right? Lovely. Thank you very much. That's no a pleasure. That's Carol. Just out of interest, it says here, uh, Nareens, which uh, are lovely at this time of year. Please, got Nareens in a big planter. They've grown, but no sign of flowers. And that's Anne. Uh, they should be in flower by now, shouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, they should, don't you? Mm. Um, it's difficult to say, really. Again, Unless all she's say planted is, them. Yeah. Uh, she could have fed them with not too much food. That sometimes does Possibly, it. Possibly. But... If they've flowered in previous years, it may just be this year. We've had an odd, an odd pattern of weather this yeah. year, so it may be that. I wouldn't panic about that at all, would you? Not, no. No. If they're still showing leaves, they're still alive. They're still alive. Look after them, nurture mm. them to next year, and just think, oh, well, I look forward to it next year. Mm. Uh, Carol from Bishop Stortford. Hello, Carol. Yeah, hello, Ken. Um, I've got a problem. I've got a laburnum tree. Yep. A small one um, in the garden. I've had it about four years, but usually it's covered. It's been covered with flowers, but this year I didn't get anything, and it was just sort of the leaves were sort of curling. And I did hear something about a beetle mm. that was going around. I, I don't, don't know, but I can't pull the yeah. leaves off. No, I've not not heard of that myself. I'll be honest. And Mick, no, Laburnum no, is it not? It's not something no, I've come across. Laburnums no. do struggle a bit when you get dry spells because they're mm. roots. They haven't got a great root system. A laburnum no. tree. Um, oh, I'm right. I'm thinking it might be just the year. Mm. Just the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it hasn't. You haven't got lots of dead branches. You've got um, a reasonable. No. You've got reasonable no. foliage. Yes, reasonable foliage, but as yeah. I say, it's yellow with you? sort of brown tinges around the leaves. Yeah, I mean, the, the brown tinges around the edge of the leaves are nearly always a root problem. So it's either got too dry or or too wet at some point. Um, it, it's this year is most likely to have been too too dry. dry. <laughs> Don't panic, yeah. Carol. Look after it in the spring and, if yeah. necessary, give it a bit of a feed. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I see new little shoots, actually, coming on it. Well, there mm. you are. Then. Right, so it's showing you it wants to grow, so that's a positive thing. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Carol, good luck with the laburnum tree. And we go to John from Brentwood. Hello, John. Morning, Ken and Mick. First Morning. day of the Indian summer. Indeed. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. I put some early potatoes in, exceptionally late, and they've come up and they're producing a lot of greenery but no flowers yet when, uh, in the first place, you should be able to pick potatoes when the flowers come, yeah? yeah it's, not, think... it's not necessarily true, that. Yeah. We, don't, we don't always go by that, do no, we? But, no, but they will produce some potatoes. They might not be particularly big. The thing is, a potato knows what time of year it is because the, um, what a potato wants is increasing day length. So we put them in late, they will grow, but they'll only produce small, like, new potatoes. Tiny potatoes. Yeah. Now, that's not always a bad thing if you want new potatoes. So oh, right. don't, don't mm. worry, don't stock trying to crop them yet no leave them mm. a bit longer how late did you put them in six weeks ago oh, oh. <laughs> just leave leave them till the, i'd leave them until the heads die off yeah. quite honestly and yeah. then oh, try right. lifting them try, yeah. try, but just before you get some frost right like yeah. you could be right through into sort of um october i would have thought at least yeah okay Oh, I'll let you know how I get on. Oh, yes, we look forward to a bag full of new potatoes. John from Brentwood, <laughs> thank you very much. 0800 111 that's the number to call. We can talk gardening all the way through till 12. I have two peonies in pots four years old. They've never flowered. They are in half shade, watered, fed regularly. Would they be better in the garden rather than pots? That's Maggie in Hullbridge. I would say yes. Yeah, I'm inclined to say yes. They pe- don't like pots, do they? Peonies like... 
to root deeply, re resent any sort of disturbance. Pots sort of tend to get disturbed just naturally because of the nature of the roots been out there. Plant them into um, some good garden soil in a nice uh, a spot which is sunny through at least the middle of the day. And um, but you should get um, good results from them. But they, a 50-year-old peony is middle-aged, so it would take a while to establish, and they don't like any so sort of disturbance around the roots. So. So go for that. Right, and um, two-year-old Clematis, Princess Diana, in a pot under a lean-to roof. This year it's developed a leaf problem after flowering early summer. I've attached a couple of pictures, which you should do. I don't know how do you open pictures on these. Oh, there we are. Look, I've even opened it. I'm getting better on this all the time. That's a bit of mildew, isn't it? Looks like it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like um, when you first said it's developed a problem. I thought, oh, has it got Clematis wilt? But Clematis wilt, it dies back right down to the base, and it's it's fundamentally bad for the, uh, the thing it doesn't really recover from it that looks like it's got a bit of stress maybe with the um the, the cold um august we say cold cool august after a lot of drought stress early on because clematis like cool roots so that they like to be uh, kept nice and cool at the, uh, the roots themselves so it looks to me like it's just a little bit of mildew that's attacking the um the weakened um foliage and we got another plant for you for us to have a look at and that is um, I'm trying to think yes. of it. it Datura stramonium. Datura, isn't it? Which, yeah. whoop, which is um, actually, is it, is it a poisonous one? It is poisonous, yeah. Jimson weed, uh, or thorn apple it's sometimes called. It's and a it's very common... poisonous as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's very poisonous. Um, it used to be used in um, was a, a, a compound called Potter's Asthma Cure, which was used to inhale to try and... Uh, you, you don't get this anymore. And... Um, People used to, it wasn't was, it in snuff or something? It was, yeah. It, it was used in snuff, all wasn't it? All kinds of things. But it's very poisonous, and, and um, people have used tried in the past because it's it's uh, hallucinogenic. But um, so people have tried using this. But it is poisonous. To, to very, we must to, add, to, yeah, it's to poisonous. very very negative result because how ill people were getting from this. You know, so Potter's asthma was withdrawn, I believe, as a consequence. And that's from Mary Fox, but it actually would have come in again bird seed most of yeah. But it's, it's a common vagrant in Essex. I remember a couple of years ago some newspaper story that we were growing at the, uh, the university this toxic plant because someone had noticed it because it grows occasionally on them um, sort of around the compost heap areas and things like that it's um like digitalis is poisonous you know um larkspur is poisonous we grow lots of poisonous plants for some reason this one seems to get demonized yes don't let it put you off growing them in the garden you know yeah. i've got to eat some to actually kill yourself yeah. Yeah. don't grow them if you've got young children but otherwise they're fine yeah. i always i always say and you've brought up two children in your yeah. garden i bet you had plants in your garden that actually basically were poisonous oh yeah of course yeah and yeah. you taught your children yeah. To not eat them, chew them, etc. Indeed, didn't you? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of these things. Oh, we we tend to worry ourselves more over it than is realistic. So. We do. Yeah. And uh, right, when do you trim and how do you prune a fig tree? Well, this time of the year is the time when we'd normally do some trimming back on it. Um, if you if you've got figs on there, the, the little marble sized figs now they've got to be the size of your fingernail. Yeah, yeah. to go through the winter. That's they've got to be small and hard, and you've got to uh, not leave too many of them on really, because they'll just drop off otherwise. So I think I've seemed to remember being told six on a branch is about as much as you need. So actually, all you need to do is prune really after you're taking your fruit. It's a bit like lots yeah. of tree pruning. You do it after fruiting with yeah. apricots and all those and. Peaches, I mean, it's the, similar, isn't it? The real issue with figs, actually, is that the roots need restricting. So you need to keep the roots relatively restricted to stop it getting too much top growth. Otherwise, they grow into enormous great trees. They do. Yeah. They're big <laughs> trees. How do I... F uh, no, do I feed roses when they finish flowering and what with? This is Eve. Would you Would you, Would you? you feed them? Uh, not this time of the year. Um, second part of the winter, I would tend to maybe put a bit of bone meal and maybe a bit of fish, fish blood and bone around them just to, to, to get them into growth in the spring. But just now... Not really. Uh, it's not necessary, is it? I wouldn't have said so, no. 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 More importantly, you rake up any, uh, any damaged yeah, leaves. Get rid of the debris around them. Debris. That tends uh, to, uh, last but not least that we're going to squeeze in is from Frances. She said um, she's moved into a house last October. There are various shrubs, all approximately six foot high. Lilac, Choicea, Wigelia and lots of others. When should I prune them, please? I'd have a go now. Yeah. I would. On certainly on the evergreens, yeah. The lilac, I would be a bit wary oh, yeah, about. Lilacs, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't really prune that if you can help it because they tend to send up a lot of suckers from the base, which you'll then be dealing with forever. <laughs> For the rest of them, yeah, now is a good time. Now's a good time. Yeah. So they are, and don't be, don't be worried. Prune them hard. You, mm. can, you can be fairly hard, can't you, Mick? Most plants recover from a hard pruning. <laughs> <laughs>
The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex, Gardening from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.